I don't want you to work harder in sales. I want you to work smarter in sales. And there is a way to do that. You just have to follow the right process and you know, have the right things involved each step of the way. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Rob. Rob, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So give us a 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. A uh, 5,000-foot level of what I do, I'm an outsourcer, fractional VP of sales. Uh, so I go into businesses, I help them set up a sales process that their whole sales team follows uh, and kind of just organize and, and coach their sales to get them to the next level. Usually a business owner brings me in when they want to get their business to the next level. Uh, and they bring me in because I have the experience. I've built and restructured companies throughout my career. I have over 30 years of sales or 28 years of building businesses. Uh, so I've seen what works. And I've seen what the mistakes that have happened along the way as well. What? People in sales make mistakes? No way. Uh, people in business make mistakes. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Salespeople don't, but business people do. So yeah. let's back up the bus a bit. And how did you get into sales in particular? Uh, yeah, you know something, when I was in college and high school, if you said I had a long career in sales, I'd be like, no, that's not what I want to do. Uh, I got into selling, I'm going to date myself here now. I got into selling, I started my career selling classified advertising. That's when newspapers relied on classified ads to make a lot of money. Uh, and I did really well. Uh, I just, for some reason, took right to it and was able to grow my accounts from pretty much zero to a high amount in a short period of time. Became sales manager after two years. Then two years after that, they moved me back to Los Angeles to build the newspapers out here. We bought two existing newspapers to merge them together. Uh, so, I, I, and again, I just, I don't know why I just really took to sales. And I guess because I understand what sales is and a lot of people don't. A lot of people think it's conning, it's selling people. You're convinced. It's like, no, it's just having a productive conversation, see if there's a reason to work together. Nice. Well, and I'm impressed that you made that transition from salesperson into management one so quickly, and two that you took to it like a <laughs> bird with to flight. You're just like, yes, this is a thing because I've seen a lot of salespeople get promoted that were awesome at what they did, but they didn't know how to articulate that, and they certainly didn't know how to train somebody else on it. Yeah. So, did you kind of analyze your mojo and figure out what what it was that made you good at being able to articulate that to other people? I just keep it real simple, Michelle. I mean, it's, you know, people sit there and try to complicate it and, okay, use these techniques, use these strategies, you know, influence control. No, 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 no. It's just, it's like the human body, two ears, one mouth, ask questions and let them answer That's a really and listen hard to what they to get say. People to <laughs> As I cut you off. <laughs> but, it, but it's funny, once they do, I mean, I was publisher of a, of a satire publication called The Onion uh, here in Los Angeles. And I had, they were like, we're going to give you one of our best sales guys out of New York. And he knew how to talk about the onion, but he didn't know how to sell. <clears throat> and once I chatted with him a little bit, I went to a meeting with him and he was like, just go riding off all our demographics, all our things about our newspaper, blah, blah, blah. He came walking out of the meeting. like, how do you think that went? He goes, oh, I think it went really well. They know all about the onion. I said, what are their problems? What are their issues? What are they having a hard time with? Because I, I don't know. I'm like, that's right. Pete, you need to ask them questions need to let them do most of the conversation and you find out. 
And sure enough, you know, a couple months later, he was doing that and he was doing really well. So if somebody is open to the idea of understanding of, of what sales is and not being, oh, intimidated by it, it's amazing at the, the differences you can make. Nice. I love that. So what do you find are some of the biggest issues other than not being able to stop talking <laughs> and for people to learn how to get into sales and, and not so much kind of obviously the techniques of sales, but what kind of mindset do they have to overcome in order to, to take on uh, the skills that you're teaching? A lot of it, a lot of it is mindset. I mean, when I, I, I actually, I wrote a sales book, but I wrote a sales book for business owners because I did a webinar for a bunch of business owners about why they should have a sales process that all their salespeople follow to get the same high-end results. It gets you more customers more often and faster. They kind of like the idea about more morning more often and faster. And when I opened up for questions at the end, they're like, well, Rob, when we set aside time for our business development, our customer acquisition, I was like, you mean sales? Michelle, you could hear them groan. And I was like, wait, sales is the lifeblood of your business. What do you think sales is? And I got some of the old answers. It's influencing, it's controlling the conversation. I was like, okay, you know something, Zig Ziglar, Dale Carney, giant among people to this day, but you focused in on the wrong part of what they say and you twisted it in a way that it shouldn't be twisted. So uh, let's just keep it simple. Sales is starting a productive conversation. See, there's a reason to work together. Uh, sales is like the human body. Two ears will not ask questions, then let them answer. Here's how you run a sales meeting. It's not about policies and procedures. It's about goals, it's about successes, it's about techniques, but rah, rah, rah. You're on, your sales team pumped up, ready to run through walls at the end. And when I finished, I'm like, are you afraid of sales now? And they're like, no, that's actually kind of easy. I'm like, it is if you let it be. And when I got off the call, I'm like, that's the book I need to write. I need to write a sales book for business owners. Because one of the first things I do to see if I want to work with a business owner is I sit down with them and I say, if I came into your business in a sales role and just wanted to kill it, 200, 300, 400% of goal, what do I have to do? And 80% of the time, they're like, are you asking me? And I'm like, yes. So they're like, I have no idea. I'm like, well, that's... You have to work for another company. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, that's a little bit of a problem. If you don't understand sales at all, if you wouldn't even have that 10,000 foot level understanding of sales, you're going to have a hard time with your business. 10% of the time they say, you just go out and sell. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, you just go sell. Well, what does that mean? Tell me step-by-step step what that means. And they're like, uh, and then 10% of the time they're like, okay, well, you go out, you, you ask these questions, you, you find what we, we have, you max, they have a sales background. And so they get it. So they, they don't need my help. They already kind of have it under control, but it's all the business owners that truly don't understand sales. If it's not me, they should, I highly encourage them to go out, find, find somebody who's understands sales, knows how to build a sales team, knows how to coach that sales culture. And that's the biggest thing about sales is you just, if you have the right culture in a business, it's amazing what happens. Nice. I love it. I find too, that oftentimes when people are starting a business, we want them to go out and sell. We want them to go and create the thing. And it's like, okay, so that, that conversation that you're having with people and that you had successfully, how do we replicate that as many times as possible with as many other people as possible so that you can bring as many sales as possible in through the pipeline without breaking your fulfillment. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Oftentimes I find that they never had those conversations to make those sales, to find that thing. They, you know, abdicate to somebody else, hoping that somebody else knew how to do sales. Yeah. And that might be one of the reasons why they're not, you know, proficient in being able to articulate that to other people and go, Hey, here, do what I did to get right. those sales. No, and I've had some business owners who were really good at sales and they were their sales force. And, you know, having to get the stuff that's in their head, they understand how, what they're doing it but they don't necessarily know how to articulate it to other people so they can duplicate what they do. And so that, it, and that can be a challenging thing. 
uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of the things I've always said is, you know, Michael Jordan, I still think is one of the best basketball players in the world. I think he might be a horrible coach because he's just the type of guy that goes, what do you mean? You just jump up in the air, you spin 360 degrees, you slam it down, it's easy. It's like, yeah, it's easy for you, but <laughs> not for me. <laughs> so, tell, you know, explain, him explaining detailed step-by-step how to do it, <laughs> he might not be so good at. And sometimes that's the problem with business owners that sell, that the, who's the main salesperson of the businesses. They don't understand how to get everything out of here and get it into a form and a, a way for people to be able to duplicate what they do. Nice. And we will definitely talk about what they should be doing and how to duplicate it. Just want to talk about the, I think it's the last one that I'm proficiently aware of is business owners who think of the sales department as an expense. Mm-hmm. And uh, like that whole understanding, I don't comprehend because I've never lived that way. I think it comes from an accounting side of things, but in your opinion and experience, how do you work with that? And where's it come from? Well, it, it's, they need to understand that it's an expense that without sales, they have no business. And so there's a way to wrangle in. And I think sometimes business owners get that feeling when they've had people in the sales role and the sales leadership role that have abused their, their time. They've, they've, they've taken more than they really needed to do. They took more time off or they just, they, they asked for a big, huge commission on everything. And that can leave a bad taste in business owners' mouth and rightfully so. So again, going back to where if that business owner understood sales a little bit more, he'd be able to sit there and go, no, that's not right. We're not going to be doing it that way. We're going to be setting it up to where it, because it, sales needs to be beneficial for the whole company. It can't just be beneficial for the sales department, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, because the whole rest of the company <coughs> then needs to fulfill us. So if there's no revenue left to fill. We have another issue on our hands. Well, and that's one of the things <laughs> that I check when I start working with business owners is, is are they scalable? And I actually, I work with a, uh, a fractional CFO and she confessed to see if a company is scalable. So, I, and I've, I've said that with every company that I've worked with, are, are you scalable? They always say, yes, they're usually not. Uh, I took an insurance inspection company from a regional company to a, com- a national company, grew them 400% over eight years. Great. I mean, father, son team, they had the best product in the industry. I mean, they were they're rock stars. They just weren't bringing it to market the right way. The year we grew 63%, we were not scalable. We were so behind in all of the inspections that we finally, you know, the son and I finally sat down and said, what are the two most popular inspections? Let's train on those. Because it took three months to train a QA person on how to do all the inspections. So as we were growing, we weren't able to train people as fast. So we looked at which were the two most popular, trained on those first. And then within a month and a half, we were able to get everything through the pipeline. Nice. Love that. <laughs> Yes, it's like companies that say, no, but they'll be profitable at mass. So they're running a deficit. (laughs) Nope, that's not really how it works. (laughs) And it's funny because people, and a lot of times business owners think, well, if I just bring in more revenue, it's going to solve the problem. And it it doesn't. You have to have the right. That's why I work with a lot of other fractional executives. And it's like, okay, I got a fractional COO. I can bring them in for their operations because if... I can bring in all the money. I can get all the revenue that you want, but if you're not set up the right way, it's just going to get flushed right out the door. Absolutely. So we're using the term fractional C-level a lot. And I love it because when I started in business, there was no such thing. If you wanted to see more in your business, you could fork out 150 grand and you know you got what you got. So just for our audience, in case they're not familiar with it, just explain the concept of fractional C-suites. Well, fractional CFOs have been around for a long time. So they've, they've been in existence for a couple of decades, but now 
businesses are doing it with other executives, which makes sense. What fractional means is instead of hiring me full-time to come into your company, you know, paying me a six-figure salary, double that in commission and bonuses, you pay me to come in once a week to kind of set up the sales. And actually, there's a lot of companies that I start working with. They're like, no, Rob, we need you to come in at least twice a week to start with. Then once you get things fixed, then we'll back you off to once a week. Um, and so instead of paying me this really high salary, they're just paying me a fraction of that. But they're still, they're still getting all my experience and all my expertise. Nice. I love that. And I personally, I find when in smaller companies or newer companies, if you want to put it that way, that they don't have as many problems, so to speak. They have big problems that are stopping them from getting a lot of places. But once that problem is solved, it's like all of a sudden they can go tickety-boo and, and life is good. And they're, you know, at least good for five days. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to needing to be there 24-7 at their beck and call. Well, and that's what I, I, I ask a lot of business owners too. I'm like, do you have a business or do you have a job? Like, well, I'm a business owner. I'm like, okay, could you go to Europe for a month, call in a couple of times a week and have your business function without you? And a good chunk of business owners say, no, I can't do that. I said, then you don't have a business. You have a job because you need to be there. And I, I help work with business owners to trans, transition them from being an employee of themselves to being a true business owner. Nice. Love that. So it sounds to me like you're working mostly with the owners, in fact, and a little less with the sales department. Do you find that once this, the executives are on track and kind of understanding the process that the, the teams kind of run with what you're talking about, or is there still some work that needs to be done and shuffled there? It's actually hand in hand. I mean, we're talking a lot about business owners now because there's the audience that, you know, really needs to hear this, but no, but I, I work with the sales team. I, I, because usually what happens, it's funny, when I interview the salespeople, there's usually one salesperson who's doing really, really well, others that are doing okay, and some that are just barely hanging on. <clears throat> and when I ask the ones that are doing really well, what are your, what's your process? A lot of times they don't know, but they do have a process that they go through to get their sales. And when we break that down and, and kind of you know, do a deep dive into it, and then we roll it out to all the other salespeople, they're like, wow, this makes it easier. And it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, I don't want you to work harder in sales. I want you to work smarter in sales. And there is a way to do that. You just have to follow the right process and, you know, have the right things involved each step of the way. Nice. I love it. So without giving away your secret <clears throat> sauce, what are some of the things that they can be doing to, to help improve? I'll tell you what, I will give something away for free, which is incredibly valuable to your audience. The most important thing and the very first thing that I do with every business is make sure your value proposition is on point. <clears throat> it's probably not. You're speaking in your voice. You're not speaking in your customer's voice. So what you need to do, and I did this with uh, the insurance inspection company. I did this with uh, a company that did marketing services for orthodontists. Uh, we were able to reduce their deck, which was 20 pages deep, jam full of information to a one sheet with four bullet points on it. <clears throat> nice. And so to find your value proposition, go out and ask your three best clients. That doesn't mean your biggest ones, because sometimes they're the big pain in the rear ends, but your best ones, the ones you love working with, you have great margins, they love working with you. Ask them. What value did we bring that you expected? What value did we bring that we didn't expect? And what's the best thing about working with us? Those first two questions are kind of just to get them talking. It's that last one that's really the hook. And listen to what they say. And if they're all saying the same thing, that's your value proposition. You know, we did that with the insurance inspection company. It was, again, I was like, why should people do business with you? Like, we have the best time, service, and quality. Time, service, and quality. All right. Went out and asked three of those clients, why? Hey, like, insurance inspection, it's dime a dozen. Why do you work with these guys? They're like, Rob, in this industry, insurance, there's always going to be problems. When there are problems, we know we can call or email them. They'll find out what happened, who was involved, and how to make sure it doesn't happen again. 
and get back to us within 24 to 48 hours. I was like, huh, it's like, that sounds like good customer service communication. They're like, yeah, they do it. Not a lot of other people do. I was like, well, what about time service and quality? Michelle, all three said the same thing. If you're not doing time service and quality, you're not working in this industry. So we changed the value proposition from time service and quality to customer service and communication. The next year they grew that 26 and then 63 the year after, because we were speaking to the market in the market's voice. And it's sometimes as a business, as a business owner, it's hard to get out of your own head, way in your own head. So again, do, do that. Go ask your three best clients or have some, a marketing person go ask them those questions. And listen to what they say and form your message around that. And then make sure that every single person at your company knows your value proposition. I love that. And if you have sassy clients like I do, you might have to wordsmith it a little bit to be able to put out in the world. But they are my favorite clients and they all said the same thing, which was awesome, but yeah. uh, not exactly good marketing message. <laughs> but it was super fun. So when, when they have their marketing message st straight and they know what that value proposition is, I'm assuming that they're still going to go into some client meetings where the prospects are a little... Uh, trepidatious, let's say, that maybe they've been burned before. Maybe they've had bad experiences with the industry. Maybe they've had, you know, a lot of stuff. I'm only speaking from experience. <laughs> so when that happens, how do you um, get into those pain points with people when they're, you know, possibly a little leery and going, yeah, I know what you're trying to do with this. Peace. Yeah. Ask questions. So what has been your experience you know, okay, if I'm so talking to a business owner, what has been your experience working with sales leaders? What has been your past experience with them? Have you had good times? Have you had bad times? You know, what, what's your biggest struggle right now? <clears throat> then listen to what they say. And then you might need to dig a little bit more. It's like, and if they sit there and say, oh, we worked with this one marketing company and they were just awful. Oh my God, they just took all our money. They'd, oh, well, what would what, what, what they try doing for you? What were the things and, and why? You know, and that's the, that's the biggest question to ask sometimes is why did you why did you go down this road with them? And, you know, and, and sometimes people don't want to talk about it because it's painful and they're embarrassed and they don't feel good. But let them know it's like it's OK. You know something? There are a lot of people out in the industry that should not be doing what we do. And there are a lot of people out there in the industry that don't do what we do. And this is the way we do it. And this is why you should work with us. That is awesome. So give me an example of a Cinderella story of one of the clients you've worked with. He gave us an awesome one. Uh, I, I really like the uh, the Aussie company that, that did marketing for orthodontists because, again, they had this, they flew into town, they had this deck that was 20 pages deep, jam full of information. I sat down with them, I looked at the deck, I looked at them and said, I'm not going to read this. And they're like, what? I said, you're paying me and I'm not going to read this. Do you think an orthodontist is going, why do you have all this here? <clears throat> and they're like, well, it's everything they need to know to make a decision. I'm like, no, it's everything you want to tell them to impress them with their vast amount of knowledge and how great you are and how wonderful what you guys do. But it's not what they need to know. And it's not really what they care about. So we did the old experiment, went out, asked those questions, reduced that one sheet, that 20 page deck to one sheet with four bullet points on it. The sales rep the next week calls me up. She's like, Rob, they're reading it. I'm like, well, Brooke, they're supposed to read it. She goes, Rob, they've never read anything I've ever sent them before. <laughs> And so we're able to do that. And then the next thing that we did is we, we decreased their sales cycle by changing the sales messaging. Because do you know how many orthodontists get called by marketing companies a day? I mean, they just get hit up all the time. So we changed it around on them. We said, hey, doc, I'd like to get 10 to 15 seconds of your time to see if you qualify to work with us. This caught their attention. What do you mean? I qualify. I am a, or I'm a, or I, am, I can do all this. I paid all the money to go to school. What do you mean? <clears throat> we're like, you know, some doc, 
we know, but we don't work with everyone. We, all, we know the docs that we work really well with. We know the ones that won't do the work that's going to make this successful. So can we ask you questions? <clears throat> the sales from Brooke was like, I can't say that to them. I'm like, yes, you can. And she started saying that. And I, I asked the company, like, what would you like? And they're like, we'd like to get one a week. As soon as we did that, as soon as we changed the sales messaging, as soon as we changed that one sheet, we were landing one a week. And they, unfortunately, they couldn't keep up with production right away. So we had to kind of put some of that on hold. But again, it's, <clears throat> it's not hard to, maybe I should rephrase that. I find it easy to kind of go into a company and set them up properly for sales to make their sales easier for the salespeople to be able to help them close more. Uh, and it's just simple things that I do, Shell. I mean, it's not rocket science, but I have a, in the book that I wrote, I have a saying. It's, you know, what I'm telling you, it's not rocket science. It's all common sense. When common sense becomes common practice, that's when you find success. <laughs> it warms the cockles of my heart to hear <clears throat> things like that. And I know that common sense is not common. I mean, yes, we have two ears, one mouth. <laughs> But that keeping the mouth thing closed is, you know, as we've said multiple times, is not necessarily the first thing that comes to mind when people start getting stressed or nervous or uh, concerned in a sales appointment. But I love that you're bringing a, a warmth and a, an awareness to people because I was always told in in sales to be the expert and, you know, you're the doctor, ask the questions, which never really helped me to, <laughs> because now all I have is imposter syndrome going, oh, this isn't working either. But when you just realize that you're just having a conversation with somebody to see whether or not you can solve their problems, it just makes it, I prefer the, the peer-to-peer conversation personally. And the funny thing about it is if you go into a conversation with an expectation on the other side, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you go in just knowing that it's a conversation, when I first started in sales, selling classified advertising, selling the legal directory, I was so excited and so pumped up. I got a lawyer on the phone. I started chatting him up about our demographics, about how great this was, how great, you know, wonderful it is, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, I was like, oh, what type of law do you practice? He goes, oh, I do business to business transactions. I was like, oh, I was like, this probably won't work for you then. It's like, what? I said, no, this is more like DUI, divorce, criminal law. That's really the people that do really well here. It's like, you're not going to take my money. I said, I'll take, I'm a salesperson. I'll take your money, but I don't think this is going to work for you. But if you know any other lawyers that are in those industries, send them my way. The next week I got three calls. One of them became my biggest client because I had the conversation and I realized I'm not going to sell this guy because it's not going to work for him. And I think that's what a lot of people get afraid of is you're not trying to convince somebody. You're trying to have a conversation, learn about them. What type of business do they have? Is what you have going to work for them? If it's not, don't sell it to them. Selling them something they don't need and won't work, it, it, that's called conning. And that's kind of illegal. So you don't want to go down that road. You want to basically work with people that can and understand this one thing. And I think this will help everyone out with, in, that are, is a little bit uh, about the word sales. <clears throat> it may not be the person that you're talking to that you do business with, but it may be somebody that they know that needs what you have. So if you go into it with just having a conversation to learn, you're going to do so much better. And again, it might not be that person, but they might refer three people to you next week that become your, one of them becomes your best client. Awesome. And I think one of the things too, that has helped in the past is when the business owner knows who's not the ideal client. Yes. It's we don't want to work with these people. <laughs> it's no offense to them. We will find somebody that is awesome for them and we can, you know, work with other people in the industry and that works great. And it becomes 
an, an awesome opportunity for people to get to know peers in the industry so that they know who to refer those clients to, but to know who's the right fit and who's not necessarily the right fit without judging somebody, but just going, Hey, let's see if we qualify or, you know, are we a fit for you? Are you a fit for us? If it all works out great. And if it doesn't, you know, no harm, no foul. I'm happy to talk to several people for you. And if it doesn't, do you know anyone else that could use what I have? <clears throat> and that's just it. And, and again, the, the thing I think that business owners need to make sure they don't do is do not buy a list of unqualified leads and hand them to your sales team. You will burn your salespeople out faster than it. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it personally, <clears throat> where someone bought a list of 5,000 names and said, here, these are all leads. It's like, well, a good chunk of those were not even qualified. They did not even need or did what we did. They did not need what we did. So it's like, that was, you're, you'll burn your salespeople out, especially good salespeople, giving them just a bunch of unqualified leads. It, it just it won't work. Just reminds me of the telemarketing years and going, no, no, that's yeah. just cruel. Awesome. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be going through right now? And they're thinking, Rob, I need you so badly right now. Uh, they want to get their business to that next level. They, they know they can get it. There's just something's not working. Everything that they've done, they, they currently have done has gotten it to them where they are. But either they've grown a little bit, they have a, you know, they have a sales team that the business owner is trying to run. He doesn't have the time to do it. They have no one running their sales team, which is then it's just kind of all over the place. And my favorite, they just took their best salesperson and made him a sales manager. Because now you just shot yourself twice. You took your best salesperson off the floor and you put them in a role that they may not be qualified for. And I can coach, you know, new sales managers and to be understanding that <clears throat> sales is not about them. It's about their team. And if what they're doing is making their team better, then that's what they need to do. Uh, business owners that just feel like they're, they're, they need to get their business to the next level or one, they don't like dealing with sales. They're doing all the sales or they just don't want to deal with it. Those are business owners that I can help out. Nice. I love it. So I know that our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? Probably the easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. If you type Rob Bedell in there, I pop up. Uh, you can always uh, email me at rob at info, the number four, yourbusiness.com. Or you can get me on the phone at uh, 424-272-1921. Awesome. And peeps, we will have all of Rob's notes in the show or links in the show notes. So don't worry about that, as you know. And you can go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog and look for Rob and sales and you'll find him. Awesome. So let me ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Uh, when I got to the top of my profession before I was 40, <clears throat> I was publisher of a satire publication called The Onion here in Los Angeles, and then was publisher of a family magazine group. I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be happy, right? This is what I wanted. I'm like, <clears throat> no, it's, it's not. And I had to take a step back and say, what really makes me happy? And I am the happiest when I make other businesses and people more successful. So I've been an outsourced fractional VP of sales for over a decade. And then I kept having people come up to me and say, do you do coaching? I'm like, I don't do coaching. Do you do coaching? I'm like, finally, three people in one week asked me, I'm like, maybe I should look into this coaching thing. So I can work with business owners on a different, a couple different levels. If they want me to sit down with them and I tell them how to do it and coach them how to do it, we can do it at that level. Or if they want me to come in and get the hands on and do the fractional VP of sales, I can do that as well. Love it. That's awesome. Rob, thank you so much for your time. I know how valuable it is and I appreciate it immensely. Any last words for our peeps? 
you know something if you're struggling if you just feel like you're not where you need to be it's free to have a conversation with me i might be able to point you in the right directions uh and then if we want to work together great i'd love to do that as well just and i want business owners to know one thing because this is sometimes I, this is what i get a lot is they kind of feel like they're in business they're it's, it's all on them because they can't talk to their employees because they're the boss they can't go home and talk about it because leave work at work <clears throat> so sometimes it's just having that sounding board and you're in business for yourself, but you don't need to be in business by yourself. Love it. Awesome. Rob, thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. We love having you here, helping you grow and scale your business. If there's anything you need, please do reach out to us. Oh, and rate and subscribe to the show. We love fives. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.